0: We are back, baby. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Oh, Paul Sadu coming on the show. This guy is one of the most intellectual people we have ever had on the podcast. Not only is he an actor, writer, producer he's also a fucking doctor with his own (laughs) practice guys i mean this is absolutely insane
1: yes and i mean i don't even know how he does that it's hard enough just balancing a career in the entertainment industry let alone keeping your career as a doctor and doing the entertainment industry kudos to him man you guys definitely do not want to miss
0: that interview. you really don't you really don't well that's later on the show now let's get a little crazy What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Did you like that new music for all you podcast listeners? Yeah. Oh, man. We like to change it up a little bit, you know? We like to change it up. Ugh. New year, new music. Exactly, That's how it goes, man. Exactly. We're super excited about this episode because there's a lot of stuff going down in Hollywood. Oh, my gosh. And boy, oh, boy. We can't wait to dive into it. But you guys know your host with the most, myself, J-Lo Fantastic, and the one and only mouse. What's up? Oh, man. Oh, man. But before we get this thing started, be sure to Leave a rating on this podcast, comment below, and tell us what you think about the show in general. Leaving a rating actually helps the podcast get seen by more people who enjoy the entertainment news, and of course, those who are trying to break into the entertainment industry. And that's what this podcast is all about. So lend a helping hand by leaving a comment and a few stars ratings, all the good things. Matters depends on which podcast platform you're on. And subscribe if you're on YouTube. All the good things. And download. And download all the things. (laughs) We're super excited, though, because like we teased earlier, man, oh, man, there's a lot going down in Hollywood. We're going to be talking about Alec Baldwin, the whole Russ stuff. We're going to be talking about sag after. We're going to be talking about Disney. Of course, Warner Brothers. Oh, there's so much. And, man, oh, man, we're deep diving into a lot of touchy situations where people fall on either side of the aisle i shall say
1: yeah i got i gotta say and when we dive into this you're gonna see but just based on you know the reactions to these stories both the disney one and the alec baldwin one it's just indicative of where we're at as a country because like you said it's basically 50 50 it is you know you can't get a solid one way or the other it's we are so split in this country and i i just think that's why we keep seeing things like this, and yeah. it's just—I don't know. I'm excited to get into it, though.
0: Oh, for sure, man, for sure. And before we get this thing started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where this guy's been revamping a little stuff. So yeah. stuff looks a little new. Um, but you can check out our merchandise right here, right now, and be sure to follow us to where you know when merchandise goes on sale. We always have promos going on at least like five thousand times per month. So that's why you got to follow us and purchase some crazy. <laughs> Ant Media merge, man. <laughs> this is a new design, Logman design. If you yes. go back and watch a, another YouTube video that we posted about the upcoming year, you will know what Logman designs are. So that's why you gotta subscribe to our channel and watch all of the content so you can stay up to date. Yes, man. Oh, man. We will be getting started with the biggest thing that's happening, if not the country, definitely the entertainment industry. Rust. Now, everybody knows this happened last year. Now, charges were finally coming out. You know, the judicial district attorney in Santa Fe announced this week that Alec Baldwin and the armorer on set of Rust will be charged with involuntary manslaughter in the death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Now, in October, of course, of 2021, like I said, now the armorer, Hannah uh, Gutierrez-Reed, loaded the weapon Baldwin and Gutierrez read each face two counts of involuntary manslaughter, which uh, each carry of a maximum sentence of 18 months in jail. They also will be charged with uh, enhancement uh, with an enhancement for a use of a fire firearm, which carries a mandatory minimum sentence of five years. Now, the prosecutor also announced that David Halls, why does that name sound familiar? Well, he was the assistant director on set, and he has agreed to a plea deal. Now, he will plead guilty to charge negligence of a use of a deadly weapon. Halls handed a loaded Colt 45 to Baldwin under the plea deal. Halls will be given a six-month probation but will not serve any jail time. Now, Carmack Altwiz said in her statement, quote, If any one of these three people, Alec Baldwin, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, and David Halls, had done their jobs, Helena Hutchins would still be alive today. It's that simple. Now, the evidence clearly shows that a pattern of criminal disregard for safety on the Rust set was true now in New Mexico, there is no room for film sets that don't take our state's commitment to gun safety and public safety seriously. So that's the uh, end quote of her statement. There's a lot of stuff happening and a lot of people are surprised by this.
1: Oh yeah. Now Alec Baldwin has repeatedly argued that he is not to blame for the incident saying that halls told him the weapon was cold, meaning Mm. it contained only dummy rounds. Now his attorneys have alleged that halls and Terrace Reed and two others were at fault for a chain of missteps that led to the shooting. One of Baldwin's attorneys, Luke Nikas, said in a statement, quote, The decision distorts Helena Hutchins' tragic death and represents a terrible miscarriage of justice. Mr. Baldwin had no reason to believe there was a live bullet in the gun or anywhere on the movie set. He relied on the professionals with whom he worked who assured
0: him the gun did not have live rounds. We will fight these charges and we will win. Now, a lot of these people are pointing fingers at each other. Oh, for now, sure. Gratia's Reed's attorney Jason Bowles and uh, Todd Bullen also faulted the investigation and said that their client will be acquitted at the trial. In a statement, they said, quote, Hannah is and always has been very emotional and sad about this tragic accident but she does not commit involuntary manslaughter. But she did not commit involuntary manslaughter. These charges are a result of a very flawed investigation and an inaccurate understanding of the full facts. We intend to bring the full truth to light and believe Hannah will be exonerated of wrongdoing by the jury. Now, Hall's attorney, Lisa Terraso, said in an email that Uh, with the plea agreement, will allow him to put the matter behind him, saying, quote, absent no charges at all, this is the best outcome for Mr. Halls. He can now put this matter behind him and allow the focus of this tragedy to be put on the shooting victims and changing the industry so this type of accident never happens again. It's very interesting. Now, and I mean, SAG-AFTRA also came to defense of alec baldwin well yeah you know, they got involved because you know he's they're
1: they're coming at alec baldwin as the actor not the producer remember he's also a producer on the film okay so sag after has issued a strongly worded statement rebuking the decision to charge alec baldwin for invent involuntary manslaughter now in its statement sag after takes issue with the prosecutor's line of reasoning saying quote the death of helena hutchins is a More so because of its preventable nature, but is not a failure of duty or a criminal act on the part of any performer. The prosecutor's contention that an actor has the duty to ensure the functional and mechanical operation of a firearm on a production set is wrong and uninformed. An actor's job is not to be a firearms or weapons expert. Firearms are provided for their use under the guidance of multiple expert professionals directly responsible for the safe and accurate operation of the firearm. In addition, the employer, pay attention to that. In addition, the employer is always responsible for providing a safe work environment at all times, including hiring and supervising the work professionals trained in the weapons. The guidelines do not make it the performer's responsibility to check any firearm. Performers train to perform and they are not required or expected to be experts on guns or experienced in their use. The industry assigns Oh, excuse me. Uh, the industry assigns that responsibility to qualified professionals who oversee their use and handling in every aspect. Anyone issued a firearm on the set must be given training and guidance in its safe handling and use. But all activity with firearms on a set must be under the careful supervision and control of the professional armorer. And again, pay attention. The employer. Mm. Now, I'm bringing that up because, as I said at the top, sag After got involved in this because they don't think it's right that the performer, Alec Baldwin, is being charged with involuntary manslaughter. But he's also one of the producers, therefore one of the employers responsible for hiring an experienced armorer and making sure that everything that is supposed to be done as far as safety procedures when guns are on set and used, Falls under the employer. They said it right there. It falls under the employer's purvey. He is one of the employers. Now, I'm sure the defense is going to be that he's in name only. He's a producer name only. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But if you're listed as a producer, you are one of the employers. You are responsible for the hiring. And therefore... You are, in a sense, responsible for this tragedy. I'm just saying.
0: It's true. And, I mean, Brian Panish, the attorney for Hutchins, widower and son, issued a statement on behalf of the family expressing support for the charges. In red, quote, We want to thank Santa Fe Sheriff and District Attorney for concluding their thorough investigation and determining that charges for involuntary manslaughter are warranted for the killing of Helena Hutchins with conscious disregard for human life. Our independent investigation also supports charges are warranted. Now, it is a comfort to the family that in New Mexico, no one is above the law. We support the charges, will fully cooperate with this prosecution, and hope the justice system works to protect the public and hold accountable those who break the law. My thing with that last passage is the family, I know they're going through a lot of stuff. I don't want to take that for granted and say that they're not, but they have been very back and forth on this situation. They have been like super buddy buddy with alec and like some of the other people who are working on the set but then like completely switched up the thing but that i feel like that's kind of what happens when lawyers get involved think about it like a divorce like some people just want to have a nice amical divorce but then when lawyers get involved they're like we can get so much more out of this. And that's what I'm worried is happening here. But the whole situation has just been shady from the get go. Well, and remember, the family
1: settled. They settled a lawsuit. They they took a payment and 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 had a, a a settlement agreement in this situation. So here's here's where I think though it's gonna get real tough um for the prosecutors. The charge of involuntary manslaughter, and then the one with the extension for the for the misuse of the of, of the firearm. Uh, that adds the five years, right? They're going to have a hard enough time getting the 18-month sentence with with Alec Baldwin. And, and I'll tell you why. Even though he did fire the gun, I honestly believe, and I think it's going to come out, that he truly did believe that that gun was fully loaded with blanks. Yeah, He had no idea. He did not willfully attempt to harm anyone in the shooting of that gun. And you have to prove that he recklessly and willfully knew the situation was dangerous and shot the gun. They're never going to get that. No, No. So getting him even the 18-month sentence is going to be tough. Helena uh, Hutchinson, though Gutierrez Reed, the armor, mm-hmm. she's gonna she's gonna get it. Yeah. She's not only the eighteen months, but in my opinion, they're gonna prove the reckless part of it, and she's gonna get the five years. And in my opinion, should according to everything that I've been reading, those bullets were distinctively different, and she should have known without doubt that those were loaded with, with a live round. Mm -hmm. She should have known it's her job to know that when she's loading that gun and the fact that they were color coded and distinctly different, she should have been able to see that she accidentally put a a live round in there. She didn't check and therefore goes the reckless part of it to where she knew potentially it was dangerous. The first AD smartly took the plea deal because he too is responsible for checking that gun before handing it off to the performer. And he knew he, he was smart to take the plea deal because he too should have opened that gun, checked that barrel to make sure that there were no live rounds in that gun, and that be that. So, smartly for him and i think congratulations sir on taking responsibility for the action and the fault of what happened
0: and 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 owning up to it but um yeah lastly before moving on to another thing we i think specifically for alec baldwin he has to quit saying that he didn't pull the trigger yeah this is one of the biggest things that he keeps denying and it's like when there's been an investigation about the gun there was no malfunction with the firearm. So you have to quit saying that you didn't pull the trigger because it obviously happened. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens out of this and we'll keep uh, following it with the sentencing and everything. And listen, guys, if I'm, if I'm have any advice for the prosecutors,
1: you need to rethink the charges against Alec Baldwin and come after the producers because you have to come after him as a producer and the rest of the employers, because there was gross negligence yeah. in the hiring of the armor who was extremely inexperienced and should never have been the head armor on that set it was like her second film her dad is a legendary armor and has a ton of experience but they look there were all kinds of rumors about cost cutting and and crew members not getting paid and and so hiring an inexperienced person and throwing them into a position to cut money is is unfortunately stuff that happens but the armor, yeah. for fuck's sake, guns. That's not where you cut costs, no. people. So if I had any advice to the, the to the and uh, you know district attorney, yet you need to rethink the charges against Alec Baldwin and go the other way and go after it as the employers, not the actor. That that's all I'm
0: saying. All right, jumping into Disney? For sure, for sure. (laughs) Well, Bob Iger is back as CEO, as you all know, and the Mouse House is still going through a lot of turmoil behind the scenes, of course, set up by the one only fucking Bob Chappick. Disney has named board member Mark Mark parker nike's executive chairman as its new chairman of the board succeeding susan arnold uh, parker's appointment is effective following disney's upcoming annual meeting of the shareholders which usually takes place in march now with arnold unable to stand for re-election her position uh are in her position due to the board's 15 year limit. As a result, the board will be reduced to 11 members upon Arnold's exit. Now, Per Disney, as part of the appointment of Parker, a seven year member of Disney's board, he will also be leading a new succession planning committee. This is a good idea, which will advise the board on CEO succession planning, including reviewing for internal and external candidates. That's a great idea because that is the only thing in the past forever i feel like that disney has not really been on the ball with with the succession plan so I'm excited for that. Good for you. Yeah. And Iger's on board with that, by the
1: yeah. way, he, you know, he wants somebody to have a input on his successor this time. Cause he was not okay with his successor the last time, as we all know. Now, additionally, the board has responded to a letter from activist investor group, try partners recommending that Disney shareholders vote for all of its recommended board nominees rather than try and Nelson pelts, who is at the outset of a proxy fight with Disney right now and is effort to join the board we think it's a little bit more than an effort to join the board. Uh, we think he's coming after the company. Now, according to Disney's recounting of the events, last summer Peltz actually met with Bob chappic for lunch at Disneyland Paris last July, and a few days later, followed up to inform Chack- Chapik of his interest in joining Disney's board, even though at that time, the tri Group CEO was not a Disney investor. Now get this, this shady motherfucker who I've hated from the get-go, Marvel Entertainment yeah. Chairman Isaac <laughs> Permuter, who's not a fan of Iger or or Kevin Feige or anybody else for that fucking matter, he apparently is a fan of this of Pelts. Which surprise, surprise, right? Um, he's a big supporter of Pelts. And had voiced that support since last July when he told Chappick and Disney's uh, chief financial officer, Christine McCarthy, as well as Safra Katz, the chair of Disney's audit committee, uh, uh, and their general counsel, that appointing pelts to the Disney board would help Mr. Chappick counter recent hard wins that he had faced, solidify his position as CEO, and preempt any other potential shareholder nominations of director nominees at the 2023 uh, annual meeting, adding that without Mr. Peltz there, former executives, including Mr. Iger, would be back at Disney, which obviously did happen. Two months ago, Tryan did actually purchase an approximate 8 million dollars stake in Disney. In a letter sent to the Disney board last week, Tryon confirmed its plans to field pelts as a board nominee at the annual meeting. In announcing Parker's appointment, Disney basically gave Tryon a polite brush off, saying they don't intend to nominate him or even bring him up. But with $800 million yeah.
0: invested, nearly a billion dollars, he's going to have some sway. Yeah. So that's um, the thing. And I, apparently, right now, he has this website like Keeping the Magic or Getting Back to the Magic or something like that, where it's basically this big slideshow plan about him complaining about what Disney's doing wrong right now so it's it's a very interesting thing but I mean guys don't feel too bad for chappic he may have been ousted but he was paid generously upon his exit now Chappic did receive a pay package worth a uh, 24 eighteen million dollars for twenty twenty two and is set to receive a severance payment worth more than twenty million dollars for Disney's physical year end October first of twenty twenty two. JAPIC's compensation package included his base salary of $2.5 million, uh, $10.8 million in stock guarantees, and $3.75 million in stock options. Now, and he's also getting a $6.75 million cash bonus. And, oh my goodness. Yeah. And about $282,000 for personal air travel and fifty-three. dollars thousand uh in other compensations now chapix severance payments subject him uh successfully completing all the terms of his post-employment consulting agreement uh will comprise of 6.5 million cash in remaining base salary through the scheduled expiration date and his uh amended employment agreement and about 1 million equivalent to a prorated target bonus for physical year of 2023 Per the proxy filing, in addition, his termination, Chappic is eligible to receive an accelerated Disney stock worth of uh, $12.7 million. In other words, he's going to be fucking fine for a while just off of the shit that Disney still owes him. So
1: it's fucking ridiculous to give him all the stock options and stock guarantees because he tanked the fucking stock numbers like unreal. They were, I mean, the, the drop was significant and now Iger's back. The new board members there, they're going to turn the ship around. The stock's going to go flying and Chappick's going to be rich as fuck because of it. Because of it. Like, like, you know, so it's uh, unfair, man. It's really unfair. You know, while so many shareholders lost a shit ton of money under his reign, he's going to benefit from the turnaround and fix, from Iger in the gang and he's going to benefit hugely from the stock options that he got. I just don't think that's right. I agree. Um Avatar, here's what is right though. Apparently for Disney, yeah. Avatar the Way of Water has generated 1.928 billion dollars globally, overtaking Spider-Man No Way Home with 1.91 billion as the sixth highest grossing release in box office history. Now the sci-fi tentpole's next major hurdle is crossing 2 billion dollars, a feat achieved by only 5 films in history. The first Avatar, $2.9 billion. Avengers Endgame, $2.79 billion, Titanic, $2.2 billion, Star Wars The Force Awakens with $2.069 billion, and Avengers Infinity War with $2.04 billion. Now, if you're keeping track, boys and girls, those are all Disney-owned. Yeah. Disney's <laughs> the only studio to have any film reach the $2 billion mark. And if this Avatar does it, Cameron will have three out of the six films to achieve $2 billion or more. That's fucking crazy. It is. Um, so uh, if it, it if it does hit that mark it, which likely it will it'll also be the first pandemic era movie as well as Cameron's third film like I just said to join the coveted club The Way of Water currently stands as the 13th highest grossing movie passing the Lion King The Dark Knight and Rogue One A Star Wars Story the film is still playing in 3,790 theaters and added $4.6 million to its halls yesterday and the domestic total for the sequel should be on the edge of 600 million dollars by monday putting the film just a stone's throw away from taking down the incredibles 2 as the 12th highest grossing film of all time in north america now its domestic total currently stands at 582 million the avatar sequel has made more than its 2009 predecessor at this point already though it continues to put up heavier drops than the predecessor did now, overseas, the movie ranks as the fifth highest grossing release ever behind the original Avatar, Avengers Endgame, Titanic, and Avengers Infinity War. It's also ever so close to dethroning Infinity War, which remains in fourth place with $1.37 After multiple fall, Oh, no, this is you. Right. No, I'm right. I'm just all excited. I'm
0: just going, man. That's yeah. a lot
1: of money for fucking Disney. <laughs> yeah,
0: it really is. And I mean, I think it's going to make it. I think it's going to oh, yeah. get it into profitability. But man, oh, man, I mean, regardless of what we think about james cameron he's fucking he makes these movies for so much money but then he in turn gets the money back and a little sum. so i mean kudos to him he's very ingenuitive in that way <laughs> and i mean it's very interesting to see and to think about his process and how he thinks about it because he's never fucking worried about how much money he spends because he's like i got it it's all good yeah but i mean this fucking film's gonna be in theaters for the next three years so i mean might as well go see it you have time yeah, right? oh my goodness well after multiple false starts disney is back on track for the third tron movie with jared leto attached to star yeah. and melissa melissa Bent, uh mistress of evil director um uh, mochheim rohan in uh, talks to helm normally titled tron Ares. um the film would follow the uh, groundbreaking 1982 film Tron starring uh, Jeff Bridges and the 2010 sequel Tron Legacy, which starred Bridges, uh, Garrett Hudland and Olivia Wilde, was a feature or was the um, feature directorial debut for Top Gun Maverick filmmaker Joseph yeah. Uh Leto first plugged into the third Tron movie back in 2017 as the star and producer and he has remained attached ever since. Now, Garth Davis from Lion signed on to helm the movie back in 2020, but they ultimately parted ways on the project. I'm betting because of creative differences because this is such like a cult thing um, that I would just expect it everybody to have so many different ideas. So oh, yeah. oh, it's yeah. interesting, man. I, I never have seen any of them. So, Or it could be for scheduling reasons. I mean, fuck, the scheduling thing have been in too. development
1: for five years. Scheduling it's hard to too. stay on to a project for five years I mean it's true uh, this is exciting, though. Did you guys see this? Holy shit, I, we loved this. Disney released the first official trailer for Season 3 of The Mandalorian, which will debut on Disney Plus on March 1st. Woo, that's right around the corner. The new footage shows Dinjarin, of course, played by Pedro Pascal, and Grogu journeying across the galaxy far, far away, facing threats from Mandalorian home planet Mandalore and a bustling urban planet Kusquant. The trailer also shows off a group of Jedi warriors wielding lights, Sabers, a pair of crackling Anzilian creatures and Grogu showing off some of his force powers. The third season will take place following the events of the book of Boba Fett, which of course we saw Din uh, last seen reuniting with Grogu, his training Jedi warrior. The two were heading to the planet Mandalore to restore Din's honor. Pascal returns as the galaxy's notoriously bounty hunter, notorious bounty hunter with Carl Weathers, Giancaro Esposito and Katie Sackhoff all reprising their roles as well. Uh, for the third season now get this Christopher Lloyd is also confirmed to make a cameo this season so that'll be interesting that's
0: very exciting man I'm super pumped and I mean we've seen flashback scenes before from when Grogu got taken by the Empire and that's what it kind of reminded me a little bit with the lightsabers uh, scene but I'm hoping there's going to be a little bit more expanding on his time at the temple and you know learning from the masters and things like that so I'm very excited about that but yeah a lot of good things coming to the Star Wars universe, man. I'm super freaking excited. Yes. This is this is definitely the flagship right now for oh, Star Wars. Oh, without doubt. So, yeah. super excited. Another exciting thing, in a surprise announcement via social media, only Murderers in the Building star Selena Gomez posted a behind-the-scenes video that shows her with her co-stars Steve Martin, Martin Short, Andrea Martin, and Paul Rudd. Suddenly, the one and only queen of acting <laughs> pops up, Meryl Streep. Oh, yes. my goodness goodness she is going to be a part of the castmates for this upcoming season oh my man uh uncomfortable and pillows upcoming welcome to the building lady hulu did confirm the casting news but did not provide any additional information about streep's character in july though hulu ordered the third season of the series from 20th television the second season ended in august of 2022 it's definitely one of those shows right now where i feel like all the a-listers want to be on it's just so different and then anybody has seen before so i'm excited for the next season i mean come on
1: paul rudd and meryl streep ah, can the cast get any better right like, it's already phenomenal you just keep adding these people yeah, exactly what? hey this is pretty cool too i think this is a great way to do it to celebrate its 20th anniversary next week abc's jimmy kimmel live is going back to the beginning. The Late Night series will air a special episode in prime time on Thursday, January 26th, featuring, guess what, The original guests from the original show back in 2003, George Clooney, Snoop Dogg, and Coldplay are all returning. The special will air that night at 10 p.m. Eastern and then repeat again in the normal Jimmy Kimmel Live slot at 11.35 p.m. That marks 20 years to the day that the show premiered on Sunday, January 26, 2003.
0: Oh, that's special, man. That's really special. awesome. I know, and I mean, I wonder what strings they had to pull to get everybody back together. It's like, hey, remember back then? And we were all on the same like night of Jimmy Kimmel. That's hilarious. Well, ABC has handed a pilot order to a single camera comedy, Public Defenders, from Acapulco and Duncanville, writer Eddie Quantana and McGee. The project, which comes from 20th Television, follows four inexperienced public defenders up to their ear holes in student loan (laughs) debt uh, who work tirelessly to keep their clients out of jail. Along the way, they have to rely on each other to navigate their first defendants, the absurd court system, and the copy machine that that always fucking jams. Now, Public Defenders (laughs) is one of the number of comedy scripts that ABC has been developing for its next round of comedy pilots so it's very exciting and i'm excited to see what comes next yeah and it's so nice too because normally courtroom type drama they're
1: always dramas right so to throw in a comedy is gonna, it's going to be hilarious oh for sure uh fx has added seven to the recurring cast for the sterling affairs it's limited series about the downfall of los angeles clippers owner donald sterling amid the team's drive to win a championship under coach doc rivers y'all remember all that craziness oh yeah harriet Sampson harris corbin burnson even Yvonne Pearson, Jock McKissick, Daryl Wesley, uh, Rich Summer, and Clifton Davis are all joining leads, Lawrence Fishburne and Jackie Weaver in the six episode series. That's a phenomenal cast. Oh,
0: for sure. And I mean, if Lawrence Fishburne is playing Doc Rivers, I mean perfect casting <laughs> i'm just saying i'm really <laughs> excited about that one well heading over to warner brothers discovery and now they have tapped an old school television exec kevin or ken Lowe, uh to join the media company board of directors hmm. Lowe will join warner brother discovery's board effective april 2nd of 2023 as a class one director and stand for election at at it in 2023 Annual shareholders meeting, Lowe filled the seat that was vacated by a retirement of Robert Bennett, managing director of investment firm Hilltop Investments on April 1st. Now, Lowe was chairman and president and CEO of Scripps Network, now owner of basic cable brands including Food Network, HGTV, and the Travel Channel. From its split from the EW Scripps company in 2008 until its sold to Discovery in 2018 for 14.7 billion dollars, he was also a member of the Discovery board. Well, that just makes sense, doesn't it, Zaslav? So,
1: yeah, so he's a yes man for Zaslav. He's basically he's, just, he's he's slowly getting rid of all the Warner Brothers people and replacing them with his people. This guy was in charge of the of the company that integrated with the like, food network and all that. Cause discovery owns all that. Yep. So he basically was responsible for the sale of all that shit to Zasloff. Yep. Then got a board position from Zasloff and now is on the board of the new company. Yes, man. Yes, man. (laughs) Yes, man. I'm just saying. Come on. Uh, Warner Brothers Television is in talks. This sounds uh, extremely entertaining, though. Warner Brothers Television is in talks to develop a limited series based on the life of silent film star Buster Keaton. Mm. The project would star Rami Malek, who would be fucking perfect, in my opinion, as Keaton. The Batman director, Matt Reeves, would direct the limited series and produce via his sixth and Idaho productions banner, which is, of course, under an overall deal at Warner Brothers TV. Now, Keaton, if you're unfamiliar, he lived from 1895 to 1966 and was thought of as one of the most prominent stars of the silent film era aside from charlie chaplin himself he got a start as a child in vaudeville acts alongside his parents who were traveling performers before transitioning into film in the late 1910s Mm. so yeah i mean buster keaton was wildly successful and i think this is going to be a really interesting look at his life
0: exactly like we always say entertainment is the best form of education Yes. Uh, Well, The Last of Us drew a healthy number for HBO on Sunday night. The video game adaptation starring Pedro Pascal drew four point seven million viewers across linear and hbo max it has marked the largest debut after house of the dragon since boardwalk empire launched back in 2010 wow now the game of thrones spinoff made history last year by premiering with uh, 9.986 million viewers across linear and hbo max the largest audience for any new original series in history of the paid cabler Now, the premiere numbers were nearly double the season two debut for uh, Euphoria, which recorded 2.4 million last January. The series went on to average 19.5 viewers per episode in the US. HBO said that Sunday night viewership typically represents 20% to 40% of the show's total gross audience per episode, but I mean it's super exciting because a lot of people were really anticipating it and is definitely on my agenda to watch this weekend. I'm super excited about it. Yeah, me
1: too. I'm I'm definitely giving it a shot cuz I mean I, it's got an amazing cast. Exactly. First of all. I mean, come on. Uh the HBO limited series The Palace starring Kate Winslet has added Martha Plimpton to the cast. In addition, Jessica Hobbs has boarded the series as co-executive producer and director. Now, along with Winslet and plimpton the cast for the show also includes hugh grant Matthias schoenarts and andrea risenborough exact character details are being kept of course under wraps but according to the official log line for the palace the show tells the story of one year within the walls of the palace of an authoritarian Mm. regime as it begins to unravel it was originally ordered back at hbo in july of 2022 so there you
0: go very interesting man very interesting and i just i just like the name plimpton yeah, Plimpton, Martha Plimpton, she's great though. Plimpton, yeah, Plimpton. Uh, winning time. Executive <laughs> producer Rodney Barnes has boarded HBO's Mac or HBO's limited series project, uh, set to star Mashallah Ali as boxing boxing legend Jack Johnson. Yes. Barnes, who is under an overall deal with HBO, will serve as writer and executive producer on the untitled Jack Johnson limited series. He is one of several new creative. Uh, Supac or a species people (laughs) who have joined the project in development originally announced back in 2020, along with uh Melina Muskokas, uh, from Queen and Slim and Insecure, who has come on board to executive produce and be a director, and Kuhala Neal from The Last Man in San Francisco and P Valley, who has signed on as an executive producer as well. Barnes succeeds Dominique Michoud, uh, who had been originally tapped to write the limited series from Tom Hanks and uh, Gary Gutzman's uh, Playtone. Now, the six-part series is described as an unapologetically black, no-holds-barred telling of Jack Johnson, the world's first black heavyweight boxing champion. Now, the bold exploration depicts the champion's rise to athletic greatness and the cost he paid for his skin and defiance which created a blueprint for black resilience and everyday justice movement for generations to come. Now that is exactly what I'm talking about with entertainment education. I'm just, that sounds really freaking exciting, especially, I mean that cast and I mean the people who have on for behind the scenes, I feel like it's going to be successful. Yeah, no uh,
1: Tom Hanks. I mean, come on. He's he's like batting a thousand. Anytime he brings anything to TV really is like, uh, not batting a thousand. Gossip Girl. Not surprised. No. HBO Max has canceled the Gossip Girl revival after just two seasons. The news comes the same day that the pendulum episode of season two was released. The now series finale titled I Am Gossip will debut January 26th as sources say the second season was designed with some finality. So they must have known it was coming.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, this one is kind of a... The writing on the wall. Yeah. I feel like, you know, a lot of people are like, why the fuck did they redo that? But, you know, this is what it is. And hopefully everybody got paid rightfully so. (laughs) Um, Paramount's adaptation of... Tom Clancy's novel, Rainbow Six, has found its director, Chad Stahusky. And the director from the John Wick movies has been tapped to direct the first feature project that is serving as a Michael B. Jordan action vehicle and follow-up to the actor and studio's 2021 action thriller, Without Remorse. Now, Jordan is starring and producing with uh, Elizabeth uh, Raposo via the duo's Outlier Society banner. Now, Jordan will once again be playing Navy SEAL turned CIA operative John Clark, uh, one of Clancy's more popular characters who appeared in the late author's Jack Ryan spy books. Now, without remorse, served as uh, as a Clark origin story of sorts and was made during the pandemic. Now paramount offloaded the movie to amazon where it debuted in april 30th 2021 paramount intends to release rainbow six theatrically although uh final decisions won't be made until a later date but i mean rainbow six come on i feel like that was a popular one of his so I wouldn't be surprised if it does big numbers. Yeah, I liked Without Remorse. I mean, I know it's
1: it, it debuted on Amazon, but it was a really good movie, and Michael B. Jordan was great as the character. Agreed. So I'm excited to see the follow-up. I, I'm sure. thrilled. Uh, everybody's excited to see this one, with the exception of maybe Nev Campbell. <laughs> Paramount Pictures yeah. has released the first official trailer for Scream 6. Yes, 6, which features Ghostface on the prowl in... Are you ready for it? New York City. Love it. And it brings back Hayden Panthier's character from Scream 4. Now, in the trailer, Ghostface terrorizes a bodega and the New York subway as his old survivors team up to kill him. The sixth installment stars Scream alum Courtney Cox, as well as Jenna Ortega, Melissa Barrera, Jasmine Savoy Brown, and Mason Gooding from 2022's Scream. Newcomers include Serena Weaving, Dermot Mulroney, Tony Revelari, Josh Sagara, Liana Liberato, and Jack Champion. Of course, Panthier, who played Kirby Reed in 2011's Scream 4, was briefly seen in a photograph in last year's Scream, confirming she was still alive after surviving her run-in with Ghost face. Scream 6 is without its franchise lead, Nev Campbell, who played Sidney Prescott, of course. She exited the film, as we told you, over a pay dispute last year. Matt Bentolini-Oplin and Tyler Gillette, who helmed the fifth installment of the franchise, direct from a script written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busiak. Now Scream 6 premieres in theaters March 10th.
0: So I love the scream movies. I'm not gonna lie to you, they're so fucking entertaining. I'm really excited to see this one. And fucking Jenny Ortega, man, she is she's killing she's it killing right it, now. she's the
1: it girl right now. She, for sure. And I
0: mean she's completely taken over this franchise. And I mean Wednesday got a second season in Netflix, and I mean so much happening. So kudos to her with being so young and and very successful right now. CBS announced that NCIS Los Angeles is coming to a close. The currently airing 14th season of the drama will be its last with the series finale set to air May 14th. The series premiered back in 2009, 2009, if for all those who had to say that, <laughs> as the second installment of the NCIS franchise, preceded uh, by the still-running NCIS and followed by the NCIS New Orleans which ran from 2014 to 2021. The NCIS Hawaii, which premiered in 2021 and is currently airing its second season, and NCIS Sydney is set to premiere later this year. So a lot of things, man, a lot of things, but just know you will not be a part of the Dick Wolf universe. i saying <laughs> Just saying,
1: uh, Seal Team apparently is also still a huge hit. It's been renewed for season seven at Paramount Plus. The seventh season of the military drama series will now be the third season of the show to air on Paramount Plus. With the show having originally aired, of course, on CBS before moving to the streamer after its fourth season. Season six of Steel Team consisted of ten episodes and wrapped up in November of last year. So uh, it's doing extremely well. We know it lost Max Terrio because he's on, to, you know, Fire Country, but that's also still kicking ass and got renewed for season two. Woo.
0: But it
1: makes sense. This is a popular show and uh, it's good to see it keep running.
0: I completely agree. Now, Dennis Quaid, who is Jack Quaid's father, some people didn't. Know. I did not know. Meg, Meg <laughs> Ryan is the mama, is baby yeah.
1: mama, so like, I didn't know.
0: Yeah, uh, has signed on to star opposite of David Ello, in the upcoming Paramount Plus series, uh, ba- Bass Ribs. Uh, the series <laughs> is currently filming in Texas, and we will see Oello play the legendary title uh, title lawman. Per the official description, Rivas uh, was known as the greatest frontier hero in American history and is also believed to be the inspiration for the Lone Ranger. He also worked in the post-Reconstruction era of the Federal Peace Officer in the Indian Territory, capturing over 3,000 of the most dangerous criminals without ever being wounded. Now, Quaid will play Cheryl Lynn, a deputy U.S. Marshal. He is the first cast member alongside David to be officially confirmed for this series. So that's exciting. And it kind of sounds like another cowboy thing. Get off of Sh- Taylor Sheridan's dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
1: uh, but what's interesting about this one is how racist was like Hollywood back in the day. Yeah. Because Bass Reeves was a black man. Yeah. And rightfully so being played by a black man now. But he was the inspiration for The Lone Ranger. Yeah, who was a pasty ass white guy? Like, I mean, like, so the whole story of the Lone Ranger is based on this Bass Reeves, and he was a black man.
0: Yep, kind of fucked. Kind I of mean, fucked.
1: you couldn't find a black man to play the Lone Ranger. Nope. I'm just saying, just saying,
0: just saying, just saying. <laughs> uh, jumping <laughs> over to NBC
1: Universal, two-time Oscar winner Anthony Hopkins. <sighs> Has joined those about to die. The epic period drama from Roland Emmerich for Peacock. Hopkins, who won Oscars for The Father and, as I just mentioned, (laughs) Silence of the Lambs in my weirdest way possible, will play Emperor Vespian in the drama, which scored a straight-to-series order last summer. Now production will begin in Cincinnati studios in Rome in March. The series, which is inspired by Daniel Mannix's uh, nonfiction book, is a large scale drama set within the spectacular, complex and corrupt world of gladiatorial sports Mm. in ancient Rome. It introduces an ensemble of diverse characters across the many layers of Roman society where sports, politics and business intersect and collide. Hopkins, Vespian, the emperor of Rome and the head of the Flavian blood line is battle tested a rural upstart who claimed his throne after victory in a bloody 10 year civil war he is aging and is despised by the patrickans jockeying for position in the empire and looking to supplant his heirs to the throne the first chance they get
0: Mm. that sounds gritty it does sound really gritty And two things i feel like anthony hopkins is going to be perfect for this era of type of storytelling and two I'm surprised he hasn't retired yet. He's getting—he
1: keeps there. saying it. Yeah. He keeps
0: saying he's done, and yet he keeps coming back. So he's like, "Well, if you keep giving me more Oscars, I mean, it's you fine. Know. yeah, it's fine." Yeah. Well, James Wan's Atomic Monster and Jason Blum's Blumhouse banners have officially announced a sequel to Megan, the horse sensation that opened January 6th, titled Megan. Uh, now this one's going to be titled Megan 2.0. Now the script <laughs> is being written by Alika Cooper who wrote the original. There's even a release date, wow, of January 17th of 2025. I mean, kudos to them, man. I'm truly surprised by this. I haven't personally seen it yet, but I thought this was going to be a major fucking bomb. And, I mean, it's it's doing pretty well. I mean, pr- post-pandemic era, if you're not a Marvel movie or Avatar, you're not making really over... 21 million dollars and i mean this one opened around 30 million which is kind of pre-pandemic yeah. era for these type of movies yeah so kudos to them and i mean i'm curious now man i'm gonna have to fucking watch it damn it <laughs> yeah now is allison coming back i
1: guess the the two stars are coming back right i'm
0: i'm assuming Yeah, yeah.
1: all right. Okay, so NBC's latest primetime offering, Night Court, which I was super excited about. I still have to check it out. I haven't done it, but I was a huge fan of the original, so I'm definitely checking it out. It apparently took down the Tuesday night competition with its debut on January 17th with a back-to-back programming schedule featuring the first two episodes and starting at 8 p.m. on the network. The revived comedy starring Melissa Raunch from uh, big bang theory. You guys know as judge Abby stone, the daughter of Harry stone from the original, uh, open to 1.0 rating among the adults, 18 to 49 and 7.39 million total viewers. That's a lot for network guys. That's a lot. That's a big number. Um, uh, let's see, uh, following at eight 30, the second episode dropped 10%, just 10% in ratings, receiving a 0.9 within the key demo and an fall in total viewers. Still, 6.75 million total viewers for the bottom half of the hour is a solid performance for an opening night for the network. This actually marks the highest total viewers of any comedy premiere since The Connors back in 2018 and the best on NBC since Will & Grace in 2017. Wow. uh, Both of which were also revivals and huge comedies. So there you go.
0: There it is, man. There it is. And this one's very interesting as well. Bradley Whitford will guest star as a Professor struggling with early onset dementia, who confesses to a murder on the February 23rd episode of Law and Order SVU. Yes. Now the episode will be directed by Mariska uh Hartice. Oh. Oh man, Whitford is the latest addition to an ever-changing Law and Order SVU cast. Now the procedural drama currently in its 24th season recently said goodbye to longtime cast member Kelly Giddish, who played Detective Amanda Rollins. ...for more than a decade. Now, Law & Order SVU airs on NBC Thursdays at 9 p.m. And... We had Kelly Giddish on the show. So if you want to go back and listen to that episode, please do. She is an absolute hoot. Yes, and talks all about the departure from the show
1: and all of her memories about the show. So you definitely want to go back and check that one out if you haven't already. This is an interesting one, and I hope it's nothing serious, and I hope everything is okay. Taylor Kinney, who portrays Kelly Siverard on Chicago Fire, stepping away from the NBC drama. A source Mm. close to the production confirms that the actor is on a leave of absence to deal with a personal matter. Hmm. Kenny has led the Dick Wolf series since its debut in 2012. In addition to the firefighter series, he has also appeared on all of the spinoffs, including Chicago med Chicago PD and the short lived Chicago justice. So anytime you hear leave of absence for a personal reason, you know, you just hope everything is okay. Um, so, Hopefully, we'll see him back soon, and um, and best of luck to whatever he's dealing with.
0: Man. Yeah, for sure. Well, the creator of one of the, uh, the stars of Good Girls are reuniting at NBC. The network has given a formal pilot order to Murder by the Book, oh. a mystery drama starring Rita. Now, the project comes from Good Girls creator, Gina Banz, and executive producer, Bill Kribs. Uh The potential series has been in the works for several months now. The logline for Murder by the Books reads like a bit like a play, a little bit like a play. And on the murder she wrote, uh, Retta will star as Instagram famous big city book reviewer who takes a page from the from the mystery books that she is reviewing and becomes an unlikely detective to uncover a shocking truth about the eccentric uh, seaside town. Now, Retta, who's signed a holding deal with NBC Universal about a year ago, has a long history with the company prior to Good Girls. Now, which ran for four seasons at NBC, she played Donna Maggle on the network's Parks and Recreation as well. So, a lot of things happening there.
1: For sure. That doesn't sound like a little bit of a play on Murder, She Wrote to me. That sounds like an exact fucking copy.
0: But hey, what well, I'm just saying
1: they're just updating it modern. Okay. Uh, this is exciting. Tatayana Ali, who played, of course, Ashley Banks in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, set to recur as an English literature teacher in the second season of the Peacock reboot, Bel-Air. And this is even more interesting. The streamer also released the season two trailer, which teases a tumultuous times ahead for Will. Ali joins stars Jabari Banks, Audrian Holmes, and Cassandra Freeman in the new 10-episode season that kicked February 23rd on Peacock. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Ali will play Mrs. Hughes, a teacher at Bel Air Middle School who sees something special in... Ashley. Now that's, I mean, I love that. The original Ashley is going to have a heavy storyline involved with the new Ashley played by another one of our former guests. Go back and listen to her uh, interview. It was fantastic. Akira Akbar. Now per the log line, season two of Bel Air picks up with Will at a crossroads as a new figure comes into his life who challenges what he's learned in Bel Air and competes for control of his influence. He juggles this while navigating his home life with the Banks family and trying to rebuild the trust that was broken at the end of last season mm. we'll see will and carlton's brotherhood start to evolve as they grow closer but still challenge each other about their differences we'll also see hillary evolve as she becomes more of a boss in her influencer world and how that spills over into her relationship with jazz mm. and also highlight the re- relatable struggles around viv and philip balancing marriage and family while trying to forge their own career paths i mean All kinds of life going on in that show. Like, I love it.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot happening. And remember, Jeffrey left at the end of last season. So, how does that play out? I'm very curious. I'm still reading. Will Smith's uh, memoir Will right now, so it's all fucking like going in my head. But man, oh man, Craig Ferguson, the comic who anchored CBS's Late Late Show for nine years, is hoping to make a return for uh, to wee hours programming. Now, Sony Pictures Television aims to launch a new half-hour syndicated late-night talk show led by Ferguson in the fall. Channel Surf with Craig Ferguson will review the shocking, surprising, and hilarious moments of the week shows joined by friends and guest stars and the pilot was shot in the uk this month and sony pictures television will take the show out for potential buyers this week in los angeles so we'll see if it pops up anywhere yeah that's kind of it sounds like
1: a uh like remember talk soup mm, and it, yeah. it took a look at all of the the week's uh moments from talk shows yeah so this is gonna just take a look at actual shows yeah. which i think will be cool uh, this one i'm just not so sure about do we <laughs> need this one can we just let this one rest that's all that's my opinion well
0: it's kind of scary after uh, the whitney one kind of fell thought I yeah say, so. yeah
1: and i mean this this is controversial and especially now after the death of lisa marie do we really need this um antoine fuqua is set to direct michael a lionsgate drama telling the complex life story of the iconic singer Michael Jackson. A script is uh, in by John Logan, and the film will be produced by Graham King, who turned the Freddie Mercury Queen story into the blockbuster Oscar Best Picture-nominated Bohemian Rhapsody. This has been a long passion project for King and Logan, who teamed on the Oscar-nominated Martin Scorsese, directed Howard Hughes' films The Aviator, and his race to innovate... uh, Yeah, uh, before his mental illness and uh, genophobic obsessions overtook him. Now, sources tell us that the film will undoubtedly make the most of Jackson's musical accomplishments, duh, and the recreation of his seminal career highlights, beginning with the days he fronted the Jackson 5 as a child to his hit-making work as the biggest musical star in the world as an adult. But... It will also apparently deal squarely on the pedophilia accusations that dogged him in later years up to his 2009 death at age 50 from cardiac arrest caused, of course, by drugs production will begin later this year and the hope is that michael will be a global juggernaut like bohemian rhapsody which had grossed over 900 million dollars worldwide and created a new appetite for the music of queen one i don't think we need a new appetite for michael jackson's music it still does pretty
0: fucking well it does and do we really need to address this story again again um especially with you know the Well, not surviving R. Kelly, but the Michael Jackson one was happening at the same time. Yeah, I forget the title of it. But yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how they play that. Like, are they going to play in defense of it? Are they going to leave it wide open for interpretation or like, you know, like, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. The only hope I have for it is it has the people behind Bohemian Rhapsody because personally, that's the only one that was somewhat decent in my opinion. Like I wasn't a fan of the Elton John one. I wasn't a really a fan of the Tupac one. Like there's all this different. Really? You didn't stuff. like Rocket Man? I didn't like Rocket Man. Um, I, I kind of like Straight Outta Compton, but I mean, Ice Cube's Sun kind of made that for me. But yeah, I mean, the biopics, man, they're. I'm not really a fan and it's not even that I'm not a fan of the premise. I'm not a fan of the storytelling. Mm. So that's very interesting. So we'll see how it does shortly after it's season two premiere (laughs) on January 6 stars has ordered a third installment of BMF now the premier cabler made the announcement this week sharing that the drama series ranked most social engagement drama across all networks over premiere weekend with 4.1 million uh, uh multi-platform viewers the story serves as a dramatic retelling of detroit's uh, notorious brothers demetrius big meat flinnery and uh terry southwest t flinnery who grew up in the ruthless streets of southwest detroit in the late 80s and eventually became the country's most prolific crime families in the country now, Black Mafia Family, which is BMF, uh, is ex- uh, executively produced by Curtis 50 Cent Jackson and uh, alongside showrunner and executive producer writer from Detroit native Randy uh, Huggins. Huge Huggins, all the good ones. But yeah, it's very interesting, and I I didn't know. I learned mid season that the guy who's playing. Big Meech is actually Big Meech's son. Yeah. Like yeah. it's so wild, man. And he's a good actor. He had never he done any kind of acting and was
1: convinced by 50 cent to give it a try. And he's actually really good. If you go back and watch that first season, you can see his progression as an actor throughout yeah. the show. He's really, yes. I'm just really excited. This got picked up for not only season two, but season three, because if you're not familiar with the story of this, of this family and how it all went down, they actually turn on each other. Spoiler alert. Uh, in and, and it gets pretty nasty and between the two. So I'm excited that we're going to see that play out. You yeah. you've seen hints of it that they get into little spats yeah, little or whatever, spats. but it ends up being a big deal when they turn on each other. So I, I can't, can't, Can't wait to see how it all plays out. So Um, another popular show it stars, which continues to just dominate, I guess. Outlander has been renewed for season eight, Mm. which will also be the show's last season. But it's not the end of the road. Don't worry for Jamie Frazier's story stars has officially placed a green light order for outlander blood of my blood a prequel series to the popular drama which has been on the premium cabler since 2014 the eighth season of outlander will consist of 10 episodes following an extended 16 episode season 7 which is currently in
0: production nice yeah really cool man really cool Well, Amazon slash MGM, Yami Yosef's upcoming Amazon animated series has set its main cast. The series, which was originally ordered for two seasons back in March of 2022 under Yosef's uh, first look deal with Amazon, is now titled Number One Happy Family USA. (laughs) The series regulars are Yosef alongside Aliyah Schwach. Um, and Thama Hindi, Randy Jar, Mandy Moore, um, Chris Reed, Akash Singh, and Wilmer Thomas. Now the series long line describes number one family, happy family in USA as an exploration of experience of a Muslim American family that must learn how to code switch as they navigate the early 2000s, a time of fear, war, and rapid expansion of a boy band <laughs> industrial complex. It's a very interesting concept, especially in that time period after 9/11. Oh yeah, there's a lot of racism towards indigenous people, specifically Muslim people. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be very interesting
1: uh very i'm i'm also very curious to see how Mandy Moore plays into that cast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, what character she play? I have no idea. After 2 years without an update, have you guys been waiting on this? We have. Invincible is back. Almost Thomas the series is set to return for its second season on Amazon prime in late 2023. Now season one of invincible ran from March to April of 2021. Yeah, guys two freaking years ago. The series was immediately renewed for both a second and third season at Amazon gaining wide popularity and critical acclaim. So why did we have to wait two years? Yeah,
0: I wait. mean, it's animated. So what's going on? I'm guessing just scheduling conflicts. I guess. Um, Well, Rachel Bronson talking about Marvelous. No, we're not. Ha <laughs> Is attached to lead a new limited series. Oh, not Marvelous. Miss Maisel. That is in the works at Amazon. The series is currently titled uh, Lois and Varga. Ooh. Now, and. Uh, that is based on a short story by lisa tato uh miriam belate is adapting a story for the screen with bodies 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 director helena regine uh attached to helm the pilot the official logline states that the show follows a newly married couple that moves to a small town and vaulted island after inheriting a hev- uh, heavenly sale of oceanfront property oh. but once they arrive they meet varga the island's only stripper and <laughs> yoga teacher who begins to sinisterly unravel their lives news of the series is development keeps bronson in business with amazon of course as she is currently starring in marvelous mrs Maisel. so it's very
1: interesting. Now, is she going to play Varga? I'm thinking she's playing Varga, the stripper and uh,
0: yoga. It teacher. would be fucking hilarious. Yeah, I
1: can't. She's not going to be straight laced Lois. I don't think.
0: No, because I mean, show a little bit of diversity, you yeah, know, the difference yeah. between your character over here,
1: character over there. Yeah so, yeah. so now we'll wait for the casting announcement of who's playing the other one. Yeah. So, I mean, cause that's coming. Exactly. Um, hey, a lot of, we've been talking already, right? Warner brothers, Disney, all these shakeups on boards and, and CEOs and everything. Well, Netflix is in on the game too. And this one kind of came as a shocker. I just didn't think he'd ever go away, but apparently it's not really going away, but he is. Reed Hastings, the co founder and co CEO of Netflix stepped down as chief executive officer. He remains as an employee of the company, serving as executive chairman of the board. Now, Ted Sarandos, co-CEO and formerly chief content officer, and Greg Peters, previously chief product officer and chief operating officer, will now serve jointly as co-CEOs. In addition, Netflix named Bella Bahara, formerly the head of global TV, to the position of chief content officer, while Scott Stuber, head of global films, has the new title of Chairman of Netflix Films. The leadership shuffle came as Netflix reported fourth quarter 2022 earnings Thursday adding a net 7.7 million new subscribers far more than the 4.5 million it previously forecast. Hastings said Netflix's board has been discussing his succession planning for years it's the initial reason that Ted Sarandos was bumped up to co-CEO because they were planning on Reed's eventual um, stepping down so you know a
0: couple good. of different things that you know I want to touch on in this story is one, why why still co CEOs? You know, that's my thing. Like, why not just still have fucking Ted, Ted is the at full Ted, CEO? Yeah, yeah, Ted is full CEO, keep him as COO. Um, but and then the second thing is Bella Bahara, she actually just had a piece published about her. I don't remember what publication it was, but basically the reporter, the journalist Followed her all around the world, like exclusive access. And she had a very perceptive, like interesting take on how they make content. And it's not about her specific taste, but it's about what is doing well in the markets right now. And I thought that was very interesting because, you know, you go into – Things, projects that you take on or that you look at, especially being industry professionals as ourselves, and we're like, do we like this? Are we right. going to you know, want to do this and be invested? She looks at the marketplace and not her own personal interest. I thought that was a very interesting perspective so I could see why she was bumped up to COO. Yeah, no, that it's uh, a good question though about
1: why Ted is not full CEO. Yeah, I, d- I don't understand why that move wasn't made, and I'm wondering, uh, just you know, they they. They get criticized a lot for the debt that they carry and how much money they spend. Facts. Uh you've also got some news there, right? Are they still spending a lot of money or are they actually cutting back?
0: Um well, I mean, you know, they're still spending a small fortune on content. <laughs> uh, but uh relatively speaking, the streamer in 2022 kept a lid on the payments oh. for the TV shows and movies underscoring that the days of the runaway spending on programming are behind it oh believe it when i see it um last year (laughs) the streamer paid out 16.8 billion dollars with a b on a cash basis for content which was 4.9 less than 2021 16 billion is less yeah man uh when it shelled out 17.7 billion According to Netflix's uh, financial statements released this week for its fourth quarter earnings report, Netflix uh, content obligations payments for the acquisitions, licensing, and production of content over multi year periods also declined last year, dropping 5.7% from uh, 23.16 billion to 21.83 billion. Oh, my goodness. It's so crazy. It hurts my stomach to read and those cash, numbers. Cash. Yeah.
1: Cash. They're just flopping over that kind of cash. Okay. So we know that they're going to at least be spending somewhere between 16 and $20 billion on content, right? That's what I'm getting from that. And what are they going to be spending it on? Well, we have some things for you. Netflix has unveiled its 2023 feature film slate consisting yeah. of 49 titles. Now, the streamer's feature slate has slimmed down significantly. Yeah, because I guess they're spending less money. Makes sense. When 86 films in 2022 were announced. It should also be noted that nine of the films on the list were originally set for release as part of last year's lineup, but Mm. didn't debut. They decided to move them to this year. Those titles are Dave Patel's uh, feature directorial debut, Monkey Man, Jennifer lopez Auctioner, The Mother, George C. Wolfe's civil rights drama, Rustin, John Ridley's Shirley, Adam Sandler's uh, vehicle, Spaceman, the Jamie Foxx starring They Cloned Tyrone, the starry comedy, We Have a Ghost, Kenya Barris's first feature, You People, and South Korea's Jung-E. So those were all supposed to come out last year, but are now coming out this year.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. And in addition to uh, several of those titles, Netflix has revealed premiere dates for works such as acclaimed filmmakers as David Fincher. The Killers, Zack Snyder's *Rebel Moon*, David Yates' *Pain Hustlers*, and F. Gray Grave *Lift*, and by TV titans like Sam Esmail from *Leave the World Behind*. Other projects solidifying the re- their release plans include sequels to *Murder Mystery 2*, *The yeah. Extraction 2*, and *The Gal Gadot Spy Pick: Heart of Stone*. The Millie ba- Bobby Brown-led *Damsel* and *Luther*. Now, The Fallen Sun, the film consultation of Golden Globe winning detective series starring Idris Elba. Then there's a previously untitled comedy starring uh, Nicole Kidman, Zac Efron, and Zoe King, oh. which is now titled A Family Affair, is set for a November bow. Anticipated features to come from Netflix in 2023 that have not been yet dated include Bradley Cooper as uh, Leonard Brinston's pick uh, Maestro. Really Maestro. Um, Wes Anderson's currently untitled adaptation of Roy Dole's story, including the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, the swimming drama Night marking the narrative. Uh, feature debut for Oscar-winning documentary documentarians Elizabeth Chai Roshi and Jimmy Chin, and uh, the long-awaited Chicken Run sequel, Dawn of the Nugget and the Jonas uh, Kurand Chupa, along with others. So... Hmm. A lot of stuff coming from Netflix, man. And I mean, they're trying. I'll give them that. They're trying.
1: It's an interesting mix of, of films and stories. So, you know, we'll see. I bet half of those will hit and half will miss. For that's sure. just my opinion. But I am excited about uh, Bradley Cooper's Leonard Bernstein one. Uh, yeah. I think that's going to be really good. This one I'm excited about because it's it's good. Like we were talking about earlier about going out on top. Right, like going out and being being fine with before you've overstayed your welcome. Cobra Kai has been renewed for season six on Netflix, but the creators announced this week that the upcoming season will indeed be its last. Makes sense. The show's fifth season had a more than solid performance, opening to a hundred percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes with an astounding one hundred and seven million hours watched. (sighs) on the streamer it's extremely popular show it's been popular since its get-go uh even more popular when it dropped over on netflix um from youtube but you want to go out while you're still popular yeah and i think this is gonna they set up what appears to be a pretty good finale so i think season six is gonna be really good and a nice way to say goodbye to it
0: for sure man for sure heading over to apple and holy fuck you guys know i'm a (laughs) podcast guy and i have been fucking hearing this promo literally on all the fucking podcasts like Apple is pushing this thing hard fucking core. Oh yeah. They released this new trailer for an upcoming series shrinking ahead of its premiere on January 27th. Now shrinking follows a motley crew of characters dealing with the grief of sadness and, uh, Sadness through comedy led by Harrison Ford and Jason Siegel, written and executive produced by uh, Jason Siegel. Hmm. The 10 episode series follows Jimmy, who's played by Siegel, a grieving therapist who starts to break the rules and tells his clients exactly what he thinks. <laughs> Ignoring his training and ethics, he finds himself making huge, tremendous changes to people's lives, including his own. And man, oh man. This shit, like I said, I mean, it's on different genres of podcasting too. So, I mean, they're really fucking pushing it. I just, Jason Siegel telling Harrison Ford what he thinks is all I'm all in already. I think this is their next Ted Lasso. I'm not going to lie. I think it's going to be a next cult following type show. Well, and they need the next Ted Lasso because Apple also
1: announced the spring premiere for season three of its Emmy winning comedy, Ted Lasso, and released the first image from the coming uh, run. But... Although it seems heavily agreed upon in most of the industry and the in most inside sources that that will be the final season, the streamer did not, however, say whether the coming season would indeed be the show's last, as has been widely speculated. Now, creators Jason Sudeikis, Bill Lawrence, Brendan Hunt, and Joe Kelly sold the series based, of course, on a character Sudeikis played in a series of NBC Sports promos with the pitch for a three-season arc. That said, when the cast signed new deals with significant pay bumps ahead of production, of this season they included options for future seasons i think that's just standard though i think that's getting people's hopes up but i don't think so ted lasso is apple tv's most successful show to date it is based both on awards it has won the past two emmys for best comedy series and on nielsen's measurement where it's the only apple series to consistently break into the rating services weekly top 10 streaming charts. as for season three the first photo from the show hints at a still unresolved tensions between Ted and Nate, who of course left AFC Richmond at the end of the season two and ended up at West Ham United, the premier league team owned by Rupert Mannion. Mm. It shows Nate and Ted meeting in the West Ham facilities with Rupert
0: looming in the background. Mm. So yeah, that doesn't sound good. I'm so excited. (laughs) You really have to watch this show. I know I I haven't jumped on it yet. I really do. It's so good. There's so many different aspects. Well, Apple TV, plus is actually following Netflix's lead. They canceled the Mosquito Coast after oh. the first two seasons based on Paul Theroux's best-selling novel The Mosquito Coast follows the dangerous journey of Ali Fox, a brilliant inventor and stubborn idealist who uh, aroos his family on a dangerous quest to find a refugee uh, from the United States government cartels and hitmen. The season 2 finale aired uh, earlier this month so there it is.
1: I'm not too disappointed about that. Yeah,
0: I had no idea that it even existed. So, I mean, it makes complete sense. It makes complete In a
1: jam-packed industry news section, I have nothing to
0: say on that. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, we had to bring you everything, man. We had to have it loaded for the first show back. But, man, oh, man, now it is time for Paul Sadu's yes. interview. Like I said, very intelligent individual, very like-minded. And his aspect and his, like you know, his thought process is very, very intriguing. And, uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this.
1: I think so too. This is definitely an interview for you up and comers who want to figure out how to get it done. And it also is a very inspiring as to show you, you can do it in multiple different ways to get started. And he's a prime example of that.
0: For sure. For sure. Well, here he is.
1: Paul Sadu, welcome inside the crazy ant farm, man. How are you tonight?
2: I'm doing good.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. We're excited. We always love to talk to fellow filmmakers and and we loved hearing the stories about how you get involved and and, and the journey and the path, uh, especially with people like yourself that that made the leap from another country over. And then even though you kind of grew up young, right, and and you're still making that leap over and kind of the whole transition from a different career path at one point and, and then into the acting. So we love that because this podcast is built for up and comers trying to get into the industry. So these type stories are fantastic and we always love to highlight them. Um, So what we want to do, what we always like to do at the start of the show is kind of do a little introduction for those who might not be familiar with you or your work. So kind of explain that. Let's start off about you, you making the jump from India to the Pacific Northwest and then acting. Was it something that you always kind of wanted to get into, into the industry or did you kind of fall into that? Kind of talk about that a little bit.
2: Sure, sure. So um, the jump for me wasn't too difficult because I was I was jumped over when I was like two years old. There you go. So, so no issues. So I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, went to school out in the Greater Seattle area, and then eventually I was a I was a dog for a while. University of Washington.
1: There you go. <laughs> so
2: yeah. So growing up and going through high school and college, I really had no um intention of going in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. or or acting or anything along those lines so i had different objectives back then so i really really never thought about it much other than the fact that i enjoyed movies so i loved movies i recall you know watching you know indiana jones star wars all those oh those yeah great films and just being completely immersed in the theater experience. But other than that, no, I never looked at my friends who were in drama class and said, Hey man, I really want to do that. I was like, no, I'm cool. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to get on stage. I don't want to do what you did. It looks too hard. So, so it's good. So I, I, I went a different route. I, you know, I had a calling towards medicine mm-hmm. and uh, I pursued that. And I ended up, you know, doing my undergraduate at University of Washington that I went to Tulane University in New Orleans. (laughs) So I spent about five years out there. And then I did my specialty training here in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. at USC. And so I graduated fundamentally at USC and started working in my respective career and, and thriving. And I really enjoyed it. However, as a function of being in Los Angeles, you make friends with people in the, in the arts. Yeah. Make a lot of friends with individuals in the arts. Whereas my core group of friends were really more in the sciences as I was growing up. Mm -hmm. So I got a, I, I got introduced to a lot of different artists and I started looking at life through their lens and If you will, I sort of had a a renaissance. Mm. So I really enjoyed what I was doing. However, I looked at the arts and I said, you know, that looks really fun. And it's stimulating a different side of my mind. And so I started pursuing it at the same time
0: oh wow. very interesting i love that too because you know you're always looking for ways to grow as a human being and to grow your creative thinking and all of these different aspects because we always talk about once you feel like that you accomplished everything that's when you're done you, like you have nothing else left to give to the craft and sometimes you know that can sometimes mean you're washed up in certain aspects so but it's good to hear that you know you're always challenging yourself and always continuing to move forward because that is very important as a human being to keep doing. And I'm very curious too. So you started off like in the um, film and television space, right? Not in theater.
2: That's correct. All
0: right. So did you start off with like going to classes and different things like that? Or did you try to like find an agent and try to get everything worked out? Or how did that come about? Okay. Okay.
2: So yeah, so I, I took a little different route. Okay, um, I didn't I didn't go to drama school. Obviously, right? I wasn't trained in that, and I didn't do any theater. So I was looking at the landscape of what was happening in Los Angeles, and the friends that I had at the time were very independent and collaborative. So what I decided to do was I decided to write a screenplay. Mm for myself so i'm going to use the i'm going to use the analogy it's not it's not a great analogy but it's i think it's the one that everyone knows so you look at somebody like sylvester stallone right Mm -hmm. right use his analogy so he's like yeah i wrote the screenplay and and, and at that time it it really worked you know for an individual like that so in my case i was like my friends were saying hey man you could probably do some leading man stuff but Mm -hmm but I'm not sure if, if you're going to fit into the mold. And this was like the early 2010s and we weren't sure if I was going to quite exactly fit into that mold or because of my heritage, you know, Hey, am I going to be like, you know, relegated to playing like the doctor or something like that? Right. So what I thought might be interesting was to create a role for myself that is diametrically opposed to what I am in real life. So in real life, I'd be considered a healer, mm-hmm. and so what if I was someone who, instead of being a healer, was someone that was actually taking life? Like mm. oh, nice. So that's where the concept for the first film came out, and we wanted to keep things simple. We didn't want to make it like very highbrow. We just wanted to make it simple, like assassin doing his job wants to quit. So it's a it's a story you've heard a lot of different times, mm-hmm. but we wanted to do it in our in our in our own way. Um, with our own cultural identity attached to it. So that's why that film was shot in Hindi. So the first film that I did and produced was made out in India. So that was my entrance into the entertainment industry.
1: And so I love that, too, because it's kind of a full circle thing. So like, you you know, you say back in the early 2010s and and, and but now with the boom in the streaming services. Right. And and the technology where the phones, you, you can literally shoot and put it straight up on the screen. It's that good. And all of the kind of there's so many more creatives out there creating content for themselves to get the opportunity because content is so wanted right now and there's such a void that needs to constantly be fed and so making your own content and putting yourself out there, it's kind of like the standard thing now. It's like this is how you get into it. You can do that. And I also like that as as somebody coming into it with no training, you didn't do theater, you didn't do classes, the kind of thing. So the, the intellect to know, okay, I'm going to start off with something drastically different from who I really am. You know, to the the, the, the knowledge to go, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to separate myself from me. I'm going to put this out into the world. That's fantastic. Because a lot of people, you hear consistently, write what you know, write what you know, write what you know, or, or kind of dive in and play yourself because that'll be the easiest thing to do. So yeah. the knowledge and the courage to know, no, no, I'm going to go completely opposite. I'm going totally what I am not. That's a brilliant move. That that Well done for that. I think that's the way to possibly approach it is, is to not go straight in and be familiar. You want to challenge yourself. You want to take risks. And I think when you do that, it pays off.
2: I agree with you 100%. And I think that's the fun of this profession. You ideally want to inhabit characters that are so removed from yourself that it intrinsically becomes interesting to play them. Right. And learn things along the way. So you wouldn't necessarily know how to fire a gun. You wouldn't necessarily know how to stalk somebody, but these are things you'd have to learn. You'd have to research them and understand what sort of mentality it takes to do that. Um, which I'm not, you know, well-versed on. I'm not exactly like a, you know i'm not a uh, i'm not a i'm not a i'm not a fighter you know and i'm not uh, someone who's well versed in 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 guns or gun lore mm-hmm. you know? but it's something that you certainly have to learn you have to go out to the the range you have to see how these weapons feel in your hand so all that is part of the process and and that's and that's the fun part of it i guess oh for sure so
0: I love that, and I mean with, yeah, exactly, trying to you know expand your universe basically, expand who you are and your creative aspect like I was talking about earlier. Um, Now with learning the craft, obviously you're learning from different creatives that are coming in and out of your life and that you are working with, but what would you say is another big step about learning about filmmaking? Like did you read a lot of stuff? Did you watch a lot of documentaries or how did that go?
2: So, I think the the biggest thing that that I learned was, um, it had to do with writing a screenplay mm. and understanding the structure of a screenplay mm-hmm. and how it comes out uh, in story mm-hmm. and whether or not it's going to capture your attention in that first ten minutes and and be able to propel you for that hour and a half to two hours that you're there in the theater. So that was my foundation, was really understanding a script. And because I was so attached to scripts, that's the approach I took to acting. So Mm. I would read the script several times, whether it was one I had written or recently, like the projects I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And I would try and understand, like, what is the what's the writer's message here so the, right. the most important thing to me was what what is the writer trying to convey so something i commonly do nowadays and kind of in a roundabout way to answer that question is when, when i'm working on projects is i'll i'll ask the producer i'll say hey you know can i can i have access you know to the writer not mm. i don't really ask for access to the director right away because mm-hmm. i know that could be kind of tricky but I will say, Hey man, can I talk to the writer? Because I'm going to spend a lot of time just reading and reading. And sometimes I don't understand things. And when I talk to the writer, I'm like, Hey man, like you wrote this here for this character, but I don't understand why is, why should he have this emotion in this situation based on the backstory? I understand. Then the writer will clarify, well, no, well, you know, this is, this is what I was thinking. And then you learn something about that and you you're able to inhabit the character better. So, so the, So i think that the first thing i learned about filmmaking was the screenplay has to be the most important element of of anything Mm -hmm. everything else is secondary and so that's when i really you know just pay homage to to writers you know writers who can write well are just you know that's amazing to me i i don't look i don't think i write well i think i write adequately but when i find Screenplays that are written well, I'm just like whoa, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: cool Be- <laughs> because it's not an easy thing to do. A lot of people don't. You, you know, you brought up the word structure, right? Because there is a specific structure and the way it is put together and that is not and a perfect example of what you said like you have to draw them in in the first 10 minutes right but sometimes that's extremely difficult for young writers to do is to how do I draw them in without giving everything away right so how do I not tell my whole story in the first 10 minutes and then if I am successful at that how do I now make it not drag Why how, to get to my ending to get to that third act and so it is a very specific process and it's very difficult and so I love that approach because it does kind of get you into the mindset as an actor, okay, this is how it's put together. This is where I'm coming from. This is where I'm going. This is what the path that I'm getting there. That's an excellent approach for an actor who doesn't have the background training to, to dive into it. Um, So clearly, you do a lot of behind-the-scenes work too, right? You, you mentioned that you produce and you clearly write. Um, that's a whole different ballgame in itself, right? I think that's another great aspect to come at it is when you're in front of the camera, if you have a knowledge of stuff behind the camera and what takes place, I think that's a huge benefit as well because that's a whole different beast. Producing, that's a difficult job. You know, trying to pull everybody together, pull the money together, the locations, the logistics, putting the team together, that is a whole beast. And so if you have that knowledge, you have so much more in front of that camera, knowing what's happening
2: behind that camera. Right. I, I, I totally agree with you and I'll give you a, a concrete example. So I'm producing a film and part of the responsibility of the producer is you sit in the edit. Yeah. And you watch every scene, you watch the takes, you watch the coverage, the reverse, the, you know, the, the full, the singles. And it's, It's so much, it's so valuable as an actor to watch and edit, because once you're, once you're done with that, let's say you're back in front of the camera, you can relax because you know, there's coverage. You've got coverage in all different, you know, and and if you've got a good editor and a good director, you're going to be okay. They're going to get what they need out of you. You don't have to like, nail every single scene you can relax you know let your work speak for itself Mm. and and you don't need to get uptight uptight about like no you know give me another take give me another take (laughs) just like oh yeah you're like you gotta gotta trust the process (laughs) and i think that helps a lot when you're when you're finally like in post-production you're looking at scenes and And as an actor, you're like, oh, okay, so um, maybe that didn't work out so well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. For sure. Exactly.
0: (laughs) I think a, a big part of, you know, the whole filmmaking process is to have a big open dialogue and collaboration on what everybody thinks is right you know the obviously the producer writer and director those are the ones leading the ship they're the captains you know it's their vision Um, but it's good to have that open dialogue to where you feel like it's a free space to where you can feel like you know maybe he'll say this at this point because it is your character that you are becoming and that you're putting yourself into that role so I think that's also a good place to find yourself, and that's definitely the type of sets that we try to create as well. Because uh, we are a film and television production company as well. We just got done shooting our first film, and um, yeah, it was just something that we wanted to make it a big free space, very collaborative. To where you know, if you have an idea, let's take some time out, like develop that idea maybe, and see if it works with the script, and see if that w- we can use that moving forward. So I think that's very important.
2: That's that's true, man. The I think the sets in which people are collaborating the most tend to be not only the funnest, but creatively they're the most rewarding. And it's very interesting to see what comes out of it. You know, definitely. You know, obviously there's some writer directors who will stick very much to the screenplay Mm -hmm. and that works great and the flip side of that is, you know, you're the lines, you know, play with it. Let's, let's, let's right. see what happens. And yeah. That's always that's always a lot of fun.
1: Right. Well, then there's a great old quote in, 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 in filmmaking where it's like a- after you yell cut, keep rolling for, you know, uh, another. Yeah. Because sometimes you get the best stuff when it's yeah. ad libbed, when it's just totally off the cuff. Right. And so yeah. I-, I feel like that that collaboration and that freedom to be able to do that is sometimes absolutely what's needed. And like you said, then if you have a great editor. And you've got that stuff. If something that was so stuck to the script or so stuck to the, the, you know, the, sometimes that stuff that wasn't. That's it. That's the t- And the editor knows, hey, that's the one. We're gonna plug that in. That's gonna be really good. That's gonna make it work. So because let's be honest about it, an editor is like, in my opinion, the most important person because he can make or break a film depending on how he puts that bad boy together. It could be the best performance ever, but if it's not put together properly, it's going to be crap. And, and vice versa. It could be not so great, but they can make it look like it's an Oscar winner based on how they put that together. So I mean, it, it's such a job that nobody really spends a lot of time thinking about but so crucial to the success or failure right
2: a 100% the editor can really enhance a film it's oh, yeah. just amazing what they can do um, especially if you've worked on films where you've had one individual edit and then you bring in a polish editor and certain scenes where you feel you were stuck when you have someone come in with a different perspective or approach Hmm. they cut it together in a different way where you're no longer stuck and and so that's Mm -hmm. that's amazing yeah you're you're 100 right the the, a a lot of films are can piece so much better in the, in the edit. So you don't have to be <laughs> sure. this hard looking
0: at that first pass. Exactly.
1: Like, oh no. <laughs> you're thinking, what, what did we just make? But then yeah, it comes out fine. So you've also done, so you, you talked about how you started and you're basically like, Oh, I'm going completely away from who I really am kind of stuff. Your resume is, is comedy. You've got action star, you've got your drama, you've got that you. So you've successfully been able to play around in a lot of different areas and different characters do you have a favorite that you like that you kind of like that i i do it all but i kind of like this the most
2: so i i think i've played quite a few intense characters so when i was able to play someone who had more of a comical nature mm-hmm. it was a, it was a relief and it was just a lot of fun we the there's a film coming up um that we're finishing the the shoot on I, I think we're finishing the last part of the shoot in march it's called uppercut it's a it's a rom-com if you will the director calls it a bromantic comedy <laughs> there you go it's just about this guy who really looks up to this other guy but at the same time he has a relationship with this um female boxer who really helps him come of age mm. so it's a really nice story it's 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 funny it's it's heartfelt and I don't know. I had a lot of fun doing that because it it was kind of a, a relief because you know I'd done several movies in a row where after every day I was just exhausted. I was like, man, yeah. You know, because you you go to this place of intensity and 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 it really takes a takes a lot out of you. So I, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, I, th- I think the the comedy was fun. I mean, I think that's the funnest thing I've done so far. But it, but I love. I love drama, too.
0: (laughs) Oh, most definitely, man. Most definitely. Well, we've been talking a lot about mental health on the podcast recently because we want to bring that to the forefront because it's so important, especially in this industry where, like you just said, you're playing such intense roles. And after every day, you can come back to the trailer, go back home and just exhausted. So how do you deal with mental health in such a, you know, a world that can be very stressful and especially in the audition process and playing intense roles? So
2: I've got I've I got a program that I follow mm-hmm. every day. So one of the things that that is tantamount to me feeling good is I try and maintain a very regular sleep schedule. Mm-hmm. And I try and maintain a very regular exercise schedule. And I have a fairly mundane diet where I'm I'm kind of eating similar foods. So when I when I'm hitting all three of those where I'm getting enough rest, I'm getting enough motion and I'm getting enough nutrients. I find that, um, I I tend to stay very focused and very centered and a lot of the, the stress sort of slides off of me. Hmm. Um, and at the same time, you know, if you living here in Los Angeles, if you, want to feel less stressed about your life than just look at the world news mm. you know really just flip the channel on and really immerse yourself into what's happening abroad. so if you yeah you can l- see a sound bite of yeah, two thousand people are without electricity in the Ukraine. Turn the electricity off in your house for a day in the wintertime and take a cold shower right <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, there's, there's ways to do reality checks about what real stress is. So that's, that's kind
1: of what I do. <laughs> that's a that's a great answer, and I also love the convergence of your two worlds, right? Medicine and then the importance of of a the physical nature playing into the mental nature because both are important to stay healthy. I, I you know, and a lot yes. of people don't understand that, so that's a great yeah. answer. All right, well, we've got to talk about it. We've got to jump into it. The new one that's out that just debuted it's on video on demand now and and repeater. This is the action one. This is an action, one. <laughs> not the not the comedy. Right. Yeah. So that's talk funny. about the that. Tell us a little bit about the story and how it came about and uh, a little bit about what's going on and, and all that kind of good stuff.
2: Sure. So, um, I play this character named John Smith, who's a hitman for hire, an assassin for hire. He's targeting a hacker who's about to reveal corporate secrets of this large conglomerate. Mm. And this, the hacker is played by Nick Moran. My job is to seek and terminate. However, it's an open contract and along the way, the relationship between Nick's character and mine gets complicated, Mm. but there's also other assassins who are out to get him. And there's a relationship between my character and the, and the other characters who are after him. And so it's, it's kind of an interesting ripple effect and how some of their past is, is coming to the present. So it's an interesting take on the, on the good old Mark story. You know, you got to Mark, you got to go after it, but something happens along the way. And so it was a lot of fun. It was, it's produced by um, Robert Beaumont and directed by R.L.S. Frazier. And the way I got into the movie was that I was the co-lead of a film called uh, Hustle Down with Tom Sizemore. Mm -hmm. So we were filming the Tom Sizemore film, Hustle Down, where... Great RLs R L S Frazier was directing and and Beaumont was producing. And while they were filming that film, repeater was in the pipeline. Okay. And they were looking for someone to play this guy named John Smith. And, and, and in Hustle Down, I played a bounty hunter. So it was kind of like a, a similar character, mm-hmm. but with a completely different backstory. Like the repeater character, John Smith, has a much heavier backstory than the turk character the turk character was very light so fraser was watching me in in hustle down and when hustle down concluded he's like hey paul i need to you know i want to talk to you i want to debrief you and i was like all right man that's cool so you know we, so we talked and you know we exchanged pleasantries we were like yeah this was a great experience i really enjoyed working with you and he's like hey how about how about we do another one? I was like, well, what's going on? He goes, well, I got this script here. I'm going to send it to you, read it over. And literally like six months later, we were kind of using the same production team, same director, same producer, but doing this film called repeater. That's how I fell into it. So it was, I I basically fell into it. You know, it's one of those situations where you're not seeking it or my, I guess I I guess I was auditioning for it Mm -hmm. for the the six weeks we were shooting. Right. But I didn't know I was auditioning for it. And then at the end, I I got the role because um, the director was cool with it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think that's so important, too, that a lot of, you know, up-and-comers that listen to the show should take away, especially from this interview, is, you know, you don't know who you're going to meet. You just have to be a nice, general, just genuine person, I feel like, and kind person because that can follow you to project to project and that can help you get on to other projects and make connections and different things like that the networking aspect is so important in this game and I feel like that that right there that's why you got this role and fell into it and obviously because of your talent um, but it's just such an amazing thing that obviously an intellectual like you gets the grasp on and I feel like a lot of people don't understand that concept and
1: the other side of that is every performance matters whether it's an audition In the room, you know, or you're doing a Zoom or you're on a set currently filming and you're giving your performance because it's always being watched. And all somebody may see it and go, that's our guy. We've been looking and looking, but that's the guy, right? So even if you don't book it in your audition, blow it away anyway because maybe you just did something that somebody is going to see, including that casting director or that director. Maybe you're not right for that, but they go, oh, And, you know, four months down the line, they're like, that's our guy. Remember that audition? That's our guy. So it's always so important to make sure that you're giving it everything you got because that's the gig.
2: That, once again, you're 100% right. So you're you're right a lot, as you can tell. Thank you. Thank you, sir. The check is in um, the mail. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and give you that. You know, I'm amazed, too, by how versus any other industry networking in this industry is is paramount Mm -hmm. um and i and i see it all the time like i was talking to the director and and he was like yeah you know we got this um this uh this young actress to play this role and and uh it was between her and the in this and someone else and i was like well why didn't you just why didn't you pick the other person it seems like she's got like a higher profile etc she seems like she fits the role better and 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 he just looked at me and he said well this this other one is great and this other one's good but i know the one who's good and i have stranger danger and i'm like what what, <laughs> yeah. stranger. what Makes does that sense. Mean? he goes, well i have to in this particular film i have to get it done in a certain amount of time and i can't afford to have any days taken away by you know unusual circumstances right. and that's of like what you'll sometimes see on set is sometimes you'll see some you know you see some difficult characters and then you'll you'll see how people kind of make up their minds like they don't want to work with them anymore um and then at at the same time there's situations where you're at a premiere and you just happen to meet somebody who's an actor from um a, you know, a third person and then you're in another film and you're like, Hey, I just met this guy. He's really cool for the part and et cetera. So yeah, it's crazy. Like network oh, yeah. is, is, is king. And I, I kind of feel bad for people who, you know, are, aren't really entrenched in the industry because the guys who are here and meeting people and walking around, they, I mean, they got an advantage, you know, they just do.
1: And I think there's this falsehood from people that are not in the industry of this. It's a huge Community of oh, oh my gosh it's all this but it's really not, it's a very tight knit small community everybody does know everybody in in one way or another yeah so it's very important about how you conduct yourself when you're with people because like you said you say something bad this way or that way somebody gets that way and then they know this person and then all of a sudden they know you said this that it's so important in this community <laughs> to be very aware of everybody around and in the room
0: exactly it's like if this person doesn't know them. They're one person away from knowing them. It's one right. of those type of situations. So I think you've got a very good head on your shoulders, and I think you're going to go very far in all different aspects. Because I love yeah. how you're open to so many different things and are always willing to learn. Because I feel like a lot of people aren't. So we really appreciate that. That's so refreshing. Because cool. you know you. we we talk to some people and we've interacted with some people outside of the podcast where we're like. Dude, you could be so much more, but you're just your vision of how you're looking at things isn't necessarily the right way. So, I mean, that's why we make this podcast so we can try to help people map out their plan, you know, of how to approach this industry because it is kind of cutthroat, but it also can be very generous and very supporting at the same time. So it's just one of those situations. And I'm so happy we got to have a conversation with a like-minded individual because, like I said, it's so refreshing and we're in your corner man we're supporting you 100 of thank course you. of course well listen thank you so much for taking time out of your night and coming to get a little crazy with us yes um you are welcome back anytime anytime you have another project coming out please don't hesitate to ask we will make room for you and uh yeah man this was just a blast
2: Thank you. I had a, I had a great time. Good, um, insightful. Well, <laughs> d-
1: hey man, like we said, we always like speaking with like-minded individuals, and, and it's fantastic to see you just thriving and succeeding. Before we let you go, it's all about social media these days. Are you
2: on social media? Where can people find you? Yep, I'm on Instagram. I am the real Paul Sadoo.
0: Fantastic. Not the fake one. The <laughs> real one. <laughs> I'm,
2: the, I'm the real one. I, some dude told me to. You know, I like. Um, I remember when I was making it like this this account like several years ago and some guys like at the time he was like yeah just make it the real pulse to do and I was like yeah but I don't think anybody wants to do Paul Sadu, okay? So how about, how about a Paul do? Right. <laughs>
0: okay.
2: But he's like, no, it just sounds cooler. So I did it. And ever since then, I've, I've regretted it. I've always wanted to change it. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so you
0: funny. You can go
1: the Ohio State route. V. Yeah. yeah the right. Paul Sadu. E. do. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: wanted
2: That's, to go a Paul Sadu. Okay, there you Paul go. There so you funny. go. That's so funny. That's
0: so funny. Well, listen, man, take care, and we'll be talking to you soon, brother.
2: All right,
0: guys. Take care. Yep, have you. a good one, man. Bye. Bye. Man, he was just so freaking humble and like I when he was talking about his process and the screenwriting thing, don't everybody don't judge me. But I was thinking about the food pyramid mm. and screenwriting was at the very bottom. And you know, you just kind of work your way up with different sections. And that's just kind of what envisioned to me. That's a very different aspect and approach to, you know, literally getting into filmmaking. From the ground up. Yeah,
1: because, you know, and to be so successful without any training, right? It's just another example of if you have the passion and you have the drive, you can do it. You just have to work hard and go for it and find your path. And he's been able to successfully do that. Clearly, a very intelligent man. I was impressed with the vocabulary. Yeah. You know, he kept dropping words, and I'm like, this is an educated man who. But, you know, also the way he said, you know, it works the other side of my brain. Mm-hmm. So because, you know, what, the brain that you use for medical and the brain that you use for film is a whole different world. And so it's always nice to see people be able to do it all. Like, it's fantastic.
0: Most definitely. Most definitely. Thank you again, Paul Sadu for coming on the show. Oh, man, we are ready for the top Ooh. five segment. Oh, my goodness. And I mean, what better way to bring back the freaking podcast by having a top five favorite it podcast moments of 2022 yeah it's a good way to look back to move forward right? exactly exactly a lot of good things happened last year and one of them being john clarence man we john clarence stewart we were huge fans of his from zoe's extraordinary playlist and he was honestly my favorite on that show so when we got the <laughs> the opportunity to freaking interview this guy and have a conversation i I was all fucking and over it. And you told him that. You couldn't yeah, wait to tell him, I too. I was so excited. Like, I was Team Simon from day one. I was A1 since day one, bro. I'm just freaking saying. <laughs> so that that was definitely a big highlight for me back in 2022. Uh, that was probably, you know, my my awestruck moment of our guest uh acquiring abilities so yes number five for me is john clarence stewart i was so happy for that
1: oh yeah oh yeah so my number five it had to be mentioned because we had to talk about it we were live during the oscars last year when right. it all went down so you knew we were going to talk about it on it cap i'm of course talking about will smith's oscar slap moment keep his wife out of you fucking mouth uh look man it, it you know like so many other people when we were live during, doing our oscar show uh we watched it we weren't sure at first was that a joke is this real what's right. going down we of course did find out that it was real and uh i highly recommend you go back and watch episode or listen to episode 191 And our take on the whole situation, because, boy, did we have some views on what went down with Will. For sure. Um, It's a very interesting segment of our news uh, that that week. Um, And I think it's it, it was funny and relevant and important. It was just all kinds of stuff mixed in. You definitely want to go back and listen to what we had to say there, because I think you'll enjoy it immensely.
0: Oh, most definitely, man. Most definitely. Well, for me, my number four goes to the top five podcast uh, episode. And that one was um episode 210. I really enjoyed that one because – I am super big into podcasts, especially like comedy podcasts and where people just tell stories about their life and, you know, obviously industry news podcasts and about the entertainment industry and actors interviews and things like that. It all gives me ideas and gets my creative juices flowing on what we could do with our show and how we could make it even better. Cause it's always, I mean, you know, my competitive brain trying to always (laughs) one up people, but it's always so fun for me too, because I'm like, I said, it's just so inspiring. And so like, it gives me the ability to unplug from everything else that, We're doing with the company and with the podcast, so it's been very eye-opening to me to find all of these different podcasts and to have endless amounts of information, and that's what um, is amazing in this year of uh, you know just information, technology, man. But yeah, number four for me, top five podcasts on episode two ten. Go back and listen to that one. Oh, there you go, my um number four moment. Was probably
1: the biggest smile you will ever see on my face during the uh, podcast that we do each week. Um, You probably could have seen it from space. Uh, And why did I have that smile? Because I was elated at the fact that we had been predicting and predicting and predicting. And it actually happened. Bob Chappick got the fuck out of Disney, and Iger returned. Uh, I could not wait to talk about that on the show. I was so excited. I was so pumped. As you guys know, if you if you're a fan of this show, if you've listened to anything, you know. I fucking hated Bob Chappic. I true. Just every minute of him at the helm of Disney <laughs> was heartbreaking to me. Our newest addition to The Office right there, Walt Disney up there, he was crying in his grave. I'm just saying, okay? So I was elated when we heard that Bob Iger was coming back and they were fixing that shit. Bye-bye, Chappic. You got a nice payday. But I'm just telling you, I was so happy like i was i'm happy now i can't say it without smiling it's a reason it's my number four all-time moment from last year i loved it
0: oh my goodness it was absolutely hilarious and to be a fly on the wall during that show man oh man be sure to go back and listen to that one it was a lot of freaking fun Uh the e is next to it yeah. i had some choice words yeah That's for sure. That's freaking for sure. Uh, Well, number three for both of us. And, I mean, it kind of continues on. Um, We both have the top three of the same one because, I mean, our sentiments are shared. The Kelly Giddish interview. I mean, that one, she was just so down to earth and so humble. She was one of the biggest stars we have ever gotten on the show, especially with that long of a run on a very successful franchise. So to have her come on the show and not have an ego, be very humble, very down to earth, and talk about her experience and just her overall gratitude to Dick Wolf and the writers and how the story impacted her life and how she was able to impact other people's life. Like, you all know that our Forever Guest, Rebecca Kennedy, shared a very touching episode with Mm. the one only Amanda Rollins, Kelly Giddish. Um, So that was really fun to talk about and to go back and reminisce about. So I just loved having her on the show.
1: Yeah. And one of the most special moments about it was the fact that in playing into her, her humility and being able to just be a generous human being as the way she was, was that she agreed to do the interview on the week of her final episode, which obviously played massively into our podcast, having her on that week after her the same week that her final episode aired was just incredible. And uh, I think just one of a very memorable moment. And, uh, you know, I don't think we'll ever be able to thank her enough for agreeing to come onto the show. on such a pivotal moment of her life with, I mean, come on guys during that week. Everybody was trying to get to her. Everybody was trying to talk to her about her exit. And she was gracious enough to allow us to be two of those people. And uh, I mean, that it was such an amazing moment, right? Like it it was incredible. So
0: it really was, man. It really was. And I mean, another moment. And I mean, just overall interview. And we want to clarify because this episode or this interview was (laughs) recorded in 2022, (laughs) but it came out in 2023. And that's Autumn Research interview. We got so deep, and it was honestly the perfect way to lead into our new podcast, Everything's Okay. It was. Because we got very deep on just mental health and how you you navigate things, and everybody's on their own journey, and everybody has to respect each other's journey, and especially coming from the parental and child aspect to you know, talk about the difference in that. And it was just an amazing thing to be able to have her back on for the third time, right? The Uh, the fourth, fourth time and to, uh, you know, open the door to that conversation because she is one that just loves talking about life. So it was awesome to share that experience with her.
1: Yeah. And of course we had her on to promote the new wedding veil trilogy, which by the way, the last one airs tonight, guys, the last one in the series airs tonight. But, um, and of course we did talk about that and we talked about we her, her career moves and her transition behind the camera and all that kind of stuff. But, Autumn is one of the most personable and and most um, genuine and generous people that you could ever meet or hope to know. And so anytime that we talk to her, it does tend to take that trek into – the personal aspect of life and just talking about raising kids and balancing the work life and just like dealing with the stuff that's going on in the world. Like in this episode, she said, life is fucking hard right now. Exactly, it's like, and it really is. And um, so whenever we're able to have any of the guests on and we get to dive deep into life and how people are dealing with it and stuff, it's a special moment. And it's especially special when it's a friend of ours who, who, who opens up and shares and so willingly shares because that type of an interview, I think, and being that type of a person that Autumn is, it inspires others. It does. And lets them know that they're not alone in going through what they're going through. Even people in the entertainment industry, even people that have reached the level of Autumn also deal with these things on a daily basis. And like you said, it leads perfectly into our new podcast that we were trying to do. And so, yeah, it was a very touching moment. It was a very special moment for us. And, uh, we of course plan on having her back on on this and the other podcast, um, and and hope to have many more conversations with her because I think those type conversations help people. And I, it, yeah, it was just a really special moment. I'm right there with you.
0: No, for sure, man, for sure. And number one for both of us, it was probably the hardest I've laughed in <laughs> years, man. The hardest I've laughed in with, so. Without doubt, the best misspeaking,
1: we, and we have a lot of misspeakings on this show. We butcher names, we misspeak on things. We like, but this one takes the cake man this one by a
0: landslide like when greg berlanti was tapping ray romano man go back episode at 211 we have the exact time for you oh, yeah. so you can see that it was so hard just to get through the rest of that fucking story now it is a minute 58 second 28 58 28 go to that time and you can see us just start dying <laughs> laughing trying to get through that oh my goodness it was Aww. one of the last stories in our industry news segment thank goodness because there was no way we were going to get through the rest of the industry news and
1: i'm sorry I'm just a child. I was like a four-year-old. To your credit, you tried very hard. It, it took you a minute to realize what you said, yeah. but it did not take me. It took me a second to realize what he said. And yeah. like a four-year-old started dying laughing. Yeah. And he tried his best to keep going with the story, but could not. I would not let him. I could not stop laughing, to which he could not stop laughing. I mean, it, it, you just... If you know anything about Greg Berlanti and Ray Romano, you get the humor
0: in what he says by misspeaking, and it's
1: fucking hilarious. It's still hilarious. It is. We still reference it all the time.
0: When I went back to go find like the minute and stuff, when I was listening to it, I started dying laughing again. You
1: can't help but laugh whenever you hear it. I want to make it my fucking ringtone. (laughs) Whenever I'm having a bad day, I'm just going to
0: play it, and you can't help but cheer up. It's so fucking funny, man. That's so funny. But yes, guys, those are the top five it cap moments from 2022 please let us know if your favorite moment was on this list or if not what was your favorite moment we want to know be sure to comment below in the youtube section comment section wherever you're listening to this or add us on twitter we love the fan interaction. Yes. we love keeping that going but man oh man be sure let's go over to the box office recap And uh, i mean of course avatar way of water still came in at number one with 32.4 million Megan came in at number two with 18.3 million. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish came in at 14.4 million, which actually I've heard a lot of good things about yeah, this yeah. one. So, I mean, possibility you're going to go see that one. A Man Called Auto, which I did see, very freaking good. Go see that one. It uh, came in at 14.8. That's the Tom Hanks one. And the Jerry Butler one, uh, Plane, came in at number five with mm. 10.3. Mm-hmm. New movies coming out are Alice Darling. <laughs> the Sun, Missing, Maybe I Do, and 80 for Brady. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The only one that I know is 80 for Brady. Yeah. And I think that one comes out uh, the following week. So, yeah, man. I mean, I'll go back. There's a lot of good movies out right now. I mean, Avatar, Megan, put some Boots, A Man Called Audio Play Plane. And, I mean, it's so freaking good. There's a lot of stuff out there right now. Fableman's is still out in select theaters. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So a lot of good stuff, guys. If you can see Fableman's,
1: find it and go see it another one because it's very limited on screens right now maybe only playing once or twice a day the whale mm. i still haven't been able to make a post about it i saw it i am trying so hard to figure out what i want to say about this film yeah unbelievable film and he should hands down win the oscar for best actor nice. i i can't imagine him not but yeah. if
0: you can find it go see it. For sure. And I gave you two assignments. You knocked off one, The Fableman. Did you watch everything everywhere? No,
1: that's on my list for this weekend. I know, I know. There's so many. There's so many good ones. You know us. We watch everything that's going to be lined up for the Oscars. We watch everything. Um,
0: um, Movies you can still go see right now. House Parties, uh, House Party, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, The Whale, Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody, and a couple of other ones like we already mentioned. Yes. Um, IMDb Pro's top trending segment. uh, The top trending movie is The Pale... Blue Eye, which, whatever that is, I'm gonna have to do some research. Into I mean, that it's right one. here, it's right there. <laughs> I have two of them exactly. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, the top have to trending look um, TV show is The White Lotus, and Harriet Melling is the top trending star. Okay, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, well, guys, thank you so much for getting crazy with us on episode 215 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Yes. We got to thank our guest one more time, Paul Sadu, for coming on the show and yes. getting crazy with us and passing on that knowledge about just everything that he's got going on be sure to follow him at the real paul sadu on instagram and you guys know you can follow the company on social media at crazy ant media and follow us both personally on social media myself at j logan austin and Crazy Ant CEO. That's right. New year, new handles. Yes. You got to find us. We wanted to make it more professional, man. Wanted to make it more professional. And be sure to follow the podcast at ItCapPodcast on all social media. And if you are not already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. And be sure to like the video on YouTube, comment below, and ring the bell for all the notifications. Subscribe, all the good things. And you guys know we do have a new podcast out right now strictly about mental health. The next episode comes out the first week of February, so be sure to check that one out. The first episode is out now. It's titled Welcome, Everything's Okay. And mental health, like I said, and it kind of just scratches the layer of who we are, what we deal with on a daily basis, and uh, how we overcome our mental difficulties. The second episode is going to be titled Loss, and it's going to be dealing a lot with tragic and very impactful losses that we have had in our life. And we know you have had the same. Uh, our goal is to just let you guys know that you are not alone and it's all about helping one person at a time. So, For sure. Uh, be sure to visit our website too, uh www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear. We got shirts. We got hats. We got tumblers. We need freaking coffee mugs. We drink coffee every know, freaking week. Uh, we're definitely going to get coffee mugs so we can start sporting it on the podcast. Um, That's definitely a priority. And um, man, this was just such a great episode to be back. It's a great thing to, you know, like we were talking about off air, to be able to balance the two podcasts with something that's so fun and talk about something that we love, and then also be able to talk about the serious topics and be able to get that off too, because you and I both, we bottle shit up, so it's really good to get that out, but it's also good to Let it all go and be free and be goofy like we do on this podcast. So it's a great balance of what we're doing here. And I just love everything we're doing. And uh, yeah, man, fuck uh, Nelson Perez or fucking Pelts or whatever the fuck his name is.
1: Fuck that guy. He's a. Mm, 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 Yeah, uh, that's it's never gonna happen, my man. Just never step away. It's not happening. The house of mouse will survive. You, you will not be there. Uh, move on, my friend. Move on. Just saying. I don't have eight hundred million dollars, but I'm telling you, move the fuck on. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just so happy to be back. I, 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 you know, even though we weren't with you guys for the past few weeks, we were following the industry nonstop because that's what we do. We love this thing. We love everything about it. We love being a part of it. And so to be able to come to you guys. Each week, and talk about it and just share our passion. We love every aspect of that. And with the new podcast, uh, you know, you're right. It's such a good balance. But then it's also kind of interesting how sometimes the worlds merge. You know, so many of the stories that we talk about in the industry news segment are dealing with things that we will be dealing with in our new podcast mm-hmm. loss and grief and mental health and all these things and it's so interesting how the worlds collide somehow so that's going to be really interesting to see over the over the next year how that all plays out too and you know we've got all these changes right we've got new music we've got a new look we've got how we're doing things we've new uh, it's just all these new things but one thing that will never change on ItCap podcast uh
0: freaking six years strong <laughs> that's we right. love the one the only oprah